So that's the thing. So if we're at one of these big shows and I'm struggling a little bit, Tack goes over and talks with Don and Don and I will have our talk and he'll help me a little bit and he'll get me a little bit mad and it works. You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to The Ride, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by Horse and Rider Magazine, co-hosted by Nicole Cherico and Devin Conley. In each episode, we chat with some of the industry's top trainers, clinicians, horsekeeping experts, and professionals to share inspiring stories, training philosophies, and the importance of living your best Western horse life. In this week's episode of The Ride, we sit down to talk to Carrie Louthen, a non-pro rider who competes in rain cow horse events, where we talk about competing, what it's like having the whole family involved in cow horse events, and her career in equine insurance. Please enjoy this week's episode brought to you by ADM Forage First Patriot Feeds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. I am here with my co-host, Devin, and today we have Carrie Louthen on the podcast. And Carrie is a non-pro rider that competes in rain cow horse events. Her husband is a professional rain cow horse rider, and she is also an insurance agent that focuses on horses, on equine businesses, properties, um, that kind of realm. So we wanted to bring her on and learn a little bit more about her non-pro life, what it's like working in the horse industry without having to be an actual horse trainer and, and just the, the lifestyle of having your entire family be part of the horse industry and your love for horses. So thanks Carrie for coming on and talking with us. Thanks for having me. So before we go into what you're currently up to, let's kind of start from the beginning so people can kind of get to know you a little better. How did you first get involved with horses? Did you grow up with them? Did you find them a little later? I did. Um, So I grew up in southwestern Missouri, uh, south of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, My family owns and they still do. We have a family campground. Um, So we float people down the river. We have trail rides. Um, cabins, things like that. And so I kind of grew up as a river rat is what they would call me. Um, I'm the youngest of five um, by 10 years. So, you know, I kind of, and I grew up in it. So, you know, when I was five, six years old, you know, I was in where the trail string was, where the horses were. And I'd get on bareback and I'd go. And I had a lot of people um, early on that really, you know, gave me my love for horses. You know, they were, they took the time and they taught me how to ride and they let me be wild and crazy. And I don't know how I didn't get hurt, but I didn't, (laughs) you know? Um, And so through the years, you know, it just kind of expanded into more. And so I started showing some of the open shows, like doing the pleasure English. Um, My parents were always too busy to actually leave the resort. So, um, Fortunately, there were local people that hauled me and my horse um, to these local shows. And so that's what I was doing on Saturday and Sundays. And my other brothers and sisters weren't necessarily happy about it, but I was the youngest. And so um, I was very fortunate um, growing up and to be able to have those opportunities. And so um, after high school, I went to college up near Kansas City, Missouri, um, and to, I knew I had to have my horse. Like I'd never been without my horse. And at that time I'd been showing AQHA 
um, like Western pleasure, English events, horsemanship, um, hunt equitation, things like that. And so I found a boarding facility um, at that time, real close to my college. I worked a deal out to where I could board the horse there, and then I would come and do chores. I'd clean stalls, things like that in my off time. And so uh, that really gave me a good opportunity as well. And um, it wasn't until probably my almost my senior year in college that I discovered the cow horse. Um, and I, and it was just by accident. I just kind of, I started devouring into the uh, roping a little bit at that point as well. And, and kind of, I saw my first cow horse at one of those AQHA shows. And I was like, holy cow, that is super cool. I want to do that. And so my dad, so he was always into horse. He loved horses. Like that's where I get it from. And he, you know, as the business grew, like he was able to kind of retire a little bit my brothers and sisters kind of took over and um, he got, he, he started into the cutting horses while I was in college. And so he started buying, like he bought his first cutting mare and I could not believe it. Like, you know, I grew up on horses that, you know, he'd buy at an auction and they had problems and he'd say, let's fix it, you know? Um, so it was, it was awesome to be able to see him, uh, you know, get into the cutting and actually buy something. I couldn't believe how much he spent on it, but in my family either, but it's like, that is so awesome. And so um, with the cow horse, with me wanting to get in the cow horse and he was in the cutting, it just kind of grew together. And so, you know, he liked going to auctions. So he, you know, veered from the pleasure horses and he went into the cow bred horses. And so I ended up with a filly. Um, she was buying new checks to cash. And she, so she was cowbred. She was started, um, David, uh, David Hutton, the Huttons who, you know, bred and owned new checks to cash. I don't think they bred them, but they owned them. Um, and so she was started that way. And so I brought her to college with me and I started playing with it. And I remember going to my first cow horse show. I think it was like in Nebraska and I didn't have a cow horse saddle. I had a roping saddle that I rode and I showed in and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I mean, no idea. And, but we went and did it and I was hooked from then on. Uh, so, you know, I, I remember going to spring break and, um, going to Hutton's and getting lessons for like a week on that mare. And from there it just grew. Uh, we ended up buying the mother to the mare, to the new checks to cash mare. Um, we bought that dam and we had bred her back to new checks to cash and that's where New Checks and Diamonds, who I won an AQHA World Championship on, um, that's where he, that's how we got him. And now my son shows him. So it's pretty good, fun family affair. I feel like so many of us that grew up with horses have this like story of all the wild stuff we did. And we look back on that now and we're like, what were we doing? I mean, you mentioned like riding right. bareback and doing all the crazy things and going to shows, you know, like not with your parents. And I love that because I, I feel like I have the same story. Do you have any uh, memories that really stick out from your childhood, your youth riding horses where you look back on it now and you're like, hmm that was wild. That was crazy. I don't know if I oh, should yeah. have been doing that. <laughs> I remember we had this old trail horse. His name was Buddy. He was a Palomino gelding. Um, he, he actually got, 
I don't know what the word is. Uh, he got removed from a bucking string. Um, it, because he ended up, he was a bronc. He, they bucked him out. Well, then he stopped bucking. And so he ended up, he was a horse that uh, carried around uh, the queen, the rodeo queens. Well, my dad would tell this story great. But this rodeo queen was all in white, white hat, white shirt, white jeans, white boots. And Buddy bucked her off in the mud while doing the rodeo queen salute. And so we ended up with him. And so he was a little quirky. Um, and I remember very young, I was maybe eight years old. You know, we would always have these trail horses, you know, in a corral and they'd be saddled with no halters until, you know, they was ready to, you know, take a trail ride. And I decided I wanted to get on. And so I got on him while I was having my lunch, which is a bag of chips. Well, I proceed to open up this bag of chips, okay? But he did not care for that at all. And he bucked me off big time. <laughs> and I mean, I ended up being okay, but I was like, whew, that was not a good idea. And so now as a parent, like I remember all these things. And so it's a little, it's a little challenging sometimes because I mean, I survived, but you know, as a parent, it's like, huh, you think about it a little more. Uh oh, we lost you for a second. You said you survived oh, and then you cut out. Do you want to finish that sentence? Uh, sure. So I did survive, but I mean, you, you think about it whenever you have your own kids. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know how to, how to, I don't know where I was there. No, that's fine, that's fine. At least you said <laughs> I survived. It kind of was like a good ending point. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know how this. I, I, this recording platform is very new to us, so it might have still recorded on your end. I don't know. We'll report back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so you started in the all-around stuff. You did the pleasure, horsemanship, equitation, and all that. And then you transitioned over to the cow horse. Do you find at least like I like because I have a similar background where I did the all-around for a long time, and then um, slowly I'm transitioning to the reining and the cow horse, uh, but. I found what really attracted me to the cow horse is that same kind of all around mentality where you're doing multiple events. Do you find that um, that's something that attracted you to the event outside of the fact that it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen? Um, I don't know. I just love the idea of doing multiple events. For sure. And I think it's the challenge of it for the, for me, the cow horse, it's, it's absolutely the challenge doing all three events, having one horse to do all three events, plus the rider being able to do all three events is super challenging. Um, I'm a chemistry major. I don't use it, but I feel like that's why I was a chemistry major because it was very challenging. Um, so I, I'm, I like challenges, I suppose. So that's, that, that's what kind of leads me to the cow horse. And just um, making that switch from those different worlds, what really stands out to you about a difference like in the atmosphere between the all-around world, the cow horse world? I mean, is there something that you noticed right off the bat that was really different or just anything that you weren't expecting, anything along those lines? I know it's hard to switch disciplines. Yeah, I mean, I guess like switching to the cow horse, I couldn't believe um, there were so many people that were willing to help me um, to make the switch, um, that didn't expect anything from me. Uh, you know, the all around stuff, like it made me like buckle down and learn how to show, you know, I, I didn't necessarily get a lot of help, um, you know, from trainers or whatever. And, you know, sometimes I don't know, it just, the cow horse deal is just very welcoming. Um, and it always has been, 
you know, there's always someone there that's willing to help you. I definitely noticed that I, the transition over to the cow horse, I've, I've only had the chance to show once in the cow horse, but, uh, actually I met you at my first cow horse show and like mm-hmm. just everybody I met was so inviting and so kind and so nice and, and talking to me and wishing me good luck and, you know, offering advice if I needed it or, or whatever. And, and it's, yeah, there's such an inviting crowd. They're all so sweet. I mean, you have people, you know, you have to go make friends cause you need help, you know, in the cutting portion, you need turn back help. And, and, but I yeah. think everybody kind of comes together to help each other. And I absolutely love that about that environment. Absolutely. One of my, one of my main mentors is Don Murphy. And one of my earliest memories of him was we were in Tulsa, um, Oklahoma, showing at a cow horse show. I was shown in the amateur. Um, and that show wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to show until like midnight, I think. And, you know, I was new to it. I had no idea who that was, no idea at all. And he stayed for me, you know, and he's not young. He wasn't young then either, you know? And so he stayed with me and that really, I don't know, that, that was very important to me. And, um, I, I mean, I still use him now and, you know, he's one of, he's one of the greatest of all times, as far as being a trainer's trainer and to help non-pros that do it themselves, which is me. Um, you know, I, I owe so much to him. That's so cool to have a mentor like that. I mean, what, what an opportunity. And like, that really speaks, I think, to that world and how willing everybody is to help that they don't care what level you're at or what level they're at, that they're willing to pitch in and help you out. Uh, what, what's your favorite event out of all of them? You know, it's a multi-event thing in the cow horse. Where do you, where, where are you really drawn to in terms of your favorite Uh, event? It's really hard to answer. Um, it used to never be the raining because I hated the raining. I just despised it. But now I, I really enjoy the raining because it is very precise and it's one of those events to where, um, it's you and the horse, you know, you don't have a cow involved. So, you know, you can, as long as you and your horse are in tune together, like you, you know, you can do pretty well. Um, it's not the cow that you draw, um, cutting. I love the cutting, um, just because, you know, I, you know, back in my early days, I did show cutting as well. Um, and so it's really hard fence work though. True cow horse people fence work is going to be your most favorite. Um, now that I've gotten older, it's been a little bit more of a struggle for me. Um, but we're getting through it. Yeah. I think the really cool thing about the fence work and and the cutting as well is that it's a very humbling experience. You can have a $500,000 horse and that $5,000 horse might draw a better cow and you're going to get beat. And, um, I think that's another thing that I really loved about it is even if you're Todd Bergen, you're going to have a bad cow and it's, it's going to happen. And, and, um, yeah, so nobody is unbeatable. And I kind of love that. I think that's the greatest thing about the cow horse is you don't, you know, there's politics and everything obviously, but you know, in the cow horse still, we have the fence work and it doesn't matter. Like you either draw the cow or you don't, you either can work the cow or you can't. And there, there's no, you know, (laughs) there's no one that's going to get you out of that, you know? Totally. So you've competed at all of the major events. You've won a lot of the major events. Um, what would you say is your favorite event to attend and what is it about the atmosphere that really stands out to you? I think the Snapple Bit Futurity is probably my most favorite just because 
it's, it's the new, you know, it, we're getting to see the young horses coming about. Um, we get to see the new trainer, the young trainers, um, you know, come and it's really fun to see our industry grow right now. I mean, cow horse is just booming um, and everything is getting better. You know, it used to be to where, I mean, especially in the non-pro, like you could be okay in one or two events and not be okay in another event. And you could probably be pretty successful. Now you better come prepared in all three events. So I think it's fun to see those younger horses uh, and, and the new training styles and, you know, they just keep getting, getting better and better. So I think that's a super fun event and it's in October. Um, you know, now it's in Fort Worth and I enjoy Fort Worth. I thought Reno was an awesome, you know, that was an awesome, uh, venue as well. Um, so yeah. So with this event, the young horses, new training styles that you mentioned, that kind of leads us into this conversation about your husband, who's a horse trainer, right? And so can you talk a little bit about his training program? How often he travels? Do you go with him? What's your role in his training program? I think, I, you know, we'd love to hear about that. Sure. So me and my husband, mess, we met back in um, 2015 at uh, Colorado State Fair. Um, and he was working for Haythorn Ranch Company there in Nebraska. Uh, they wanted to promote some of their horses in the cow horse. And he was a very, very young new trainer. I mean, we, we laugh, you know, he could barely change leads, you know, he, you know, now that he gets above a 70 in the rain work, he's like ecstatic because, you know, he can now change leads. So, um, so he moved here and established laughing cow horses here in Elbert, um, with me, uh, in 2016, um, and it's, you know, it's hard going out on your own, being the young trainer, um, not really being known. Um, but he's kept, kept with it. And this last year he made the open snap of it finals, which was, I mean, huge. He made all three levels, the open intermediate and limited. So that was a huge success on our, our part at Laughing Cow Horses. And, uh, I, I will tell you, I've never been so nervous in my life than, getting him ready for the open finals. <laughs> that was the most nervous. I mean, yeah, I can't even explain it. I, I couldn't even talk to him that day. It was so bad. <laughs> it's almost worse when you're sitting on the sidelines than when you're actually riding and showing. Oh, oh my gosh. Like I've talked about, you know, him, his reigning and, you know, he was a, I think he was a 220 in the prelims in the reigning. And like, that's the highest score he's ever done in the raining ever in his life and so like I think the raining portion for me I was the most nervous because like I said before you know it's just you and your horse you know so you either can you know get through it or you make mistakes and so like I just prayed to God that it was clean you know he remembered his pattern because I don't know if I would have remembered my pattern if I was in the open finals like <laughs> it's a lot of pressure but he did and they were great and um, they had some bad luck in the fence work, but I was super proud. That was a really, I watched, I, I didn't go, but I, I watched it on the live stream and I remember tax run and that is a really cool horse. Did you guys find that one as a, a yearling or how did you come about finding that one? We did. I have a really good friend, Kara Brewer. Um, she shows in the cutting. Um, and I, so I knew her from the cutting horses and, um, she always, they breed some fantastic horses. That's where hashtags came from. 
and a lot of good ones. And so um, back in his yearling year, which I think was like 2020, um, I asked her if she had any yearlings for sale and she did. And so we actually bought two of them. We bought him and then another one. Um, and, and, and we owned him up until his two-year-old year. And then we have a client, uh, Nicole Lucchese, who she's been a longtime client. I mean, from the very beginning with TAC. Um, and so she wanted a cow horse. She'd never had a cow horse before. She's always sent TAC a dressage type horse or, you know, just some ranch type horse. So this was her very first cow horse. And she bought him as a two-year-old. And for her, it's kind of a Cinderella story because um, when we called her and, you know, she, she made the open finals on this horse, like she didn't really understand how big of a deal it was. Um, we had other clients of ours that were like, you have to, because they weren't going to come. They have a very young family. They have, I think, like a two-year-old and then like an 18-month-old. So very young family. She wasn't going to come. Um, but I think we had a lot of our other clients that were like, you have to do this. You have to go and do this because this is a big deal. Like you don't, this is your first cow horse and he may, just made the open finals. Like you have to go. And so um, they did, they came, but they had no idea what they were getting into. <laughs> when, when they got the call to be on the red carpet, um, I think that was the point where they're like, this is a really big deal. So, but it was so, so great to see, you know, I, I always like the Cinderella stories, seeing those um, newcomers, you know, get success. And there are a couple of them in the open finals this year. And um, I mean, Lee Deacon winning it, like, you know, he's, a, he's, you know, he's not a newcomer, he's been in it, but just to see him win it, like, I think it's, and that right there shows in the cow horse deal that anybody can win it. It's not the same person over and over again, you know? So I think that's super cool. I love that they had no idea how big of a deal the snaffle bit is. You're like, no, this is like the Olympics for cow horse. Like this is the world. <laughs> this is, this is it. This is the Super Bowl. You got to be there. Yeah. It, yeah. It was awesome. And they brought their, both their kids, the, um, her husband came. It was a family I affair. I love that. <laughs> uh, Tax also been doing a lot of clinics lately. I've noticed that you guys have started, um, having more of those, can you talk a little bit about, you know, dabbling into that clinic kind of atmosphere and, and being able to help? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's very near and dear to your heart because you're like a DIY non-pro. You do a lot of it yourself. You, you know, rely on help from other trainers and, and now TAC is kind of opening up that ability for people who may not have horse trainers full time to be able to get advice from him and learn from him. Absolutely. I don't know if he's going to admit this or not, but he does enjoy it. <laughs> um, he likes teaching people. You know, he has a really great set of non-pros right now that he's helping and he, he, he loves it. And we opened up the clinics just to try to let p other people come in, um, you know, to, you know, I think it's an important thing to do just to try to expand the cow horse world. Um, just to, for people to dabble in it. It's just like Nicole, who now, you know, who made the open finals, you know, who who knows, like she may never even wanted to cow horse until she met us, you know? So I don't know. I just think it's a good opportunity to get other people into our sport. At ADM Animal Nutrition, our mission is doing what's right for the horse. And that starts with quality feed. 
The ADM Forage First Patriot Feeds are premium feed blends formulated for horses at every stage of life. Our Forage First philosophy means starting with the highest quality forage available and then adding the right Patriot product. Each bag of Patriot Feed includes gross strong vitamins and minerals, as well as ingredients to support gut function and integrity. Feed Forage First. Feed Patriot to your best friend. For more information, visit admequine.com. And, you know, we talked a little bit about how the cow is like the great equalizer in the cow horse, and you can get beat even if you're among the best, but just being... Um, like Nicole put it, a DIY, do-it-yourself, non-pro, what advice do you have for somebody that is also in that situation? Somebody that's like coming in maybe a little fresh or they're switching disciplines. They maybe don't have all of the resources that other people might. Do you have any advice for someone getting started like that? Yeah, just find someone in your area that's, you know, willing to help, you know. Um, I think that's the most important and that you can learn from because, And that's the other thing, too, is you're not going to be able to get something from everyone, right? You have to figure out who you can learn from the best, I think. Um, I've I've been through it for a long time. And, you know, Don Murphy, like I chose him just because me and him have that connection. And like he knows how to get things out of me, I guess. Um, And I think that's a really important thing to look for in a coach is are they getting the best thing out of you? you know, so I think that's my best advice is make sure that you guys can, you can work with each other and you're getting things out of each other. Well, and to have Don Murphy as your coach, I mean, for those who maybe don't dabble in the cow horse world, he's like the grandfather of cow horse. Like there is no cow horse without Don Murphy. Yeah. And he's not always nice about it and some people can't handle it, but for me, I remember, this is a funny story that Tack always likes to tell is, you know, Tack started, we started dating and uh, he st- Tack started helping me a little bit. And we were at one of the big premiere events and he was talking with Don and he's like, so how, how do I need to help Carrie? And he's like, you need to get her mad. And he's like, what? You need to get her mad. And Tack's like, he's smart enough to know this. He's like, I am not getting her mad you can do that. <laughs> so that's the thing. So if we're at one of these big shows and I'm struggling a little bit, Tack goes over and talks with Don and Don and I will have our talk and he'll help me a little bit and he'll get me a little bit mad and it works. I love that so much. Um, smart tack, very smart. Walk away, <laughs> bring in Don. <laughs> yep. I, I find, first of all, just totally sidetracked. Uh, it, it's very common for horse trainers' wives to seek help from other horse trainers. And I'm sure it's because of that. You don't want to get the other one mad. Yes. It is a very dynamic situation. I mean, and tack, I mean, I'm not going to say we don't struggle at it, but I think we do a pretty good job um, of not, you know, of separating the things, you know, like if he, you know, has some stern things to say to me, I don't try to, you know, bring it up at dinner time, you know, and vice versa. Um, 
but yeah, it's a very fine line sometimes. So kind of going off of that, um, I mean, your whole family shows, you know, tack, obviously he's a professional, you compete in the non-pro stuff and, and train your own horses and ride your own. And then your children are starting to come up and, and compete. Like you said, one of them's riding one of your horses that you have done insanely well with in the past. And now he has a new job of helping your child kind of come into this industry uh, can you talk a little bit about that atmosphere and, and how you juggle all of the things while trying to also get yourself in the show pen? Yeah, it's, it's a struggle sometimes, but it is awesome. Um, you know, early on being a parent, um, I always said, you know, whatever my kids want to do, I'll support them and we'll do. We've been lucky enough, Riley, my son, which is, you know, tech stepson, um, he, he loves it. So I, I haven't had any trouble with that, um, at all. And I'm just fortunate. He, he loves the cowboy stuff. He loves to rope. He loves to ride. He lo- he loves to go with us. You know, he gets to go to every, he's so excited this year because we're going to be going to all the major shows and he's got all of his buddies, you know, and they go and they, they play and, you know, ride a little bit and, um, but getting to experience it with your children is probably the the best things. And I always heard that growing up and being a younger person. And it's been a transition because, you know, early on, you know, it was all about me and I got to ride whenever I wanted to. And, you know, I had lots of horses to ride. And it's been definitely a transition going from that to a mom, a wife, and having a career as well. Um but it is the most awesome thing to be able to see your, my son walk into that or walk into the show pen on a horse that we bred, trained, I've won lots of titles on, and he gets to go and enjoy him. And it's one of the best things ever. And our daughter, Rain, she's five. So she rides, she rides our um, old turnback horse, Tequila. He's the best horse ever. Um, you know, she's not showing it, obviously, but it's in her blood too. But again, whatever she wants to do, we'll support her in what she wants to do. But it is a family affair. I mean, we, we go to the horse shows together and that's when Tack and I got married. I mean, that was kind of what we decided, you know, it wasn't going to be to where I stayed home and he went off to shows like it's a family affair. And so we work real hard at trying to keep it that way and try to keep a balance as well. Um, And it's, it's tough sometimes, but you know, if you want something bad enough, you'll figure it out. And like mom, wife, training, riding horses, that's like multiple full-time jobs. So that's a lot to balance for sure. Um, I'm sure it's been a learning curve. Like you said, probably wasn't easy at first, but what advice do you have for somebody that's in your shoes, like has a family, they're going out on the road showing, they want to bring the family along. They want to involve their kids. If the kids want to be involved, I think that's important. And I appreciate you noting that. Um, like what, what advice do you have for somebody in that situation now, maybe with a younger family? Yeah, I just have to, I think you just have to keep your own goals as well. Like I've had ever, you know, rain's five. So she's now getting to where it's a little easier to take her to the shore shows and, and everything. But for me, I'm a very goal oriented person. Um, so I always had to, I had to have something, you know, to strive for. And I always had one horse, like when she was younger, I had one horse that I could ride a day, you know, and I was okay with that. Like, you know, I, it wasn't like I set myself up to fail to be like, I have five horses, but I I could really only 
ride one. So I just made sure that, you know, I rode one horse a day, the very best I could. And then I was a mom and then my career the rest of the time. And so I think just trying to separate that and uh, setting realistic goals for yourself that isn't going to allow you to fail um, is super important. Um, and, you know, when you bring them to horse shows and they're crying and, you know, everyone can hear them, don't worry about it because we've all been there, you know, and there's people that'll step in. And that's the greatest thing about the cow horse seal too, is there are people there that are willing to step in and help when you need help. Um, you know, I don't have family around that is close by, neither does tax. So, you know, it's not like I can go drop off my kid's grandma while I go ride for four hours, you know? So, and they learn, kids learn to adapt. And that's the other thing, like new moms, like they learn to adapt and figure it out. And um, there's a lot of times where both of my kids have been in their stroller while I've been riding. And, you know, you set them up there and give them stuff to play with and they're usually pretty content. Um, so, and it's the same way at the horse shows, you know, you just kind of, they will adapt. So on top of all of those titles that we've already gone over, um, you also are an in insurance, you're in the insurance business and your focus is specifically in the equine industry, horses, all of that. Can you talk a little bit about how, how you ended up there, you know, what it's like having a job within the horse industry, um, that allows you to go on the road and travel and, and do all the things that you love to do? Sure. So when Riley was young, when he was a baby, um, I was a stay-at-home mom and I was bored. I was super bored. Um, I needed, I'm goal-oriented, like I said, so I needed something for me. Um, so I, I had a friend at, at the time that was an insurance agent and he's like, why don't you get your insurance license? And I'm like, hmm, never even thought about that. Uh, so I did. So whenever Riley was small, I'm saying like six months old, you know, I started studying and I, I passed my insurance deal. Well, then I had to figure out what I was going to do with it. And I still wanted to be a stay at home mom with Riley. And I was just kind of dabbling in on what to do. And I come across this, uh, advertisement in a magazine, um, about Northwest insurance. And so I call and I talk to the owner, Rob Young, and I'm like, I'm, I'm an insurance agent and I'd like to get into the equine. And he's like, okay. So that's how, I mean, he was the only, I called others as well, but he was the one that said yes. And so that's when I started. And it was a slow start just because, you know, you start from the ground zero and then you work your way up. It's not like I had you know, they gave me a bunch of clients or they paid me by the hour. Like it's whatever policy policies you could sell and that's what you make, you know? So, um, but it is super successful now and it is, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I found it because I'm able to do the horse deal with my husband, with my family. I'm able to travel with them. Plus I get to talk with people that are just like me for my job. So I think that's, I mean, I'm super lucky and I'm blessed and I love it. I love, I love doing what I do. Um, looking at the properties, the horse properties. I love that. Um, but you know, doing the equine insurance has been a very big blessing in my life. And I feel like equine insurance is one of those things where it's like a 
big chunk of the horse population knows all about it. They use it. And then there's a lot of people that don't know anything about it. They don't know what it's for or if they need it. So let's say I'm somebody that like I own horses, but I don't know anything about that. Where do I start to learn if I need it, how to get it, what to ensure, so on and so forth? Well, you can call me or go to my website. <laughs> um, there you go, but folks. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, and, and it, it just surprises me every day, you know, whenever I talk to people that, that, you know, it's like they call me and they have five or six head and it's like, I've, I've heard about this, but I've never done it, you know, and, and I love teaching people. I love explaining the things and the different, um, the different options. Like there's a lot of people that don't want to explain all that, but I love that part because it, I don't know, it's empowering to me. It's like they, you know, to teach people something they had no idea what was available um, is super cool. And especially if they have to use it. And sometimes it's a sad thing, you know, but man, there's no greater feeling than to be able to help someone in a time of need with their horse, you know? Um, so I think that's a super cool thing that I get to do every day. Well, and with the cost of everything just going up, I mean, colic surgery is not cheap. All, you know, all of these things just cost money. Just having that, you know, comfort knowing that you're going to have that support and help if you need it. Absolutely. When I moved to Colorado, um, I had two horses, you know, I moved from Missouri to here to Colorado and I had two horses that had to have colic surgery within six months of each other. And one was the good horse, new checks and diamonds. And I, I'm telling you, it was one of the biggest nightmares of my life. And I didn't understand why. Um, but Colorado, I've learned, is kind of a hard state for colic, especially with horses that you've brought in um, from other parts of the United States. And so, um, and I unfortunately didn't have colic. I didn't, I didn't have equine insurance, you know, that was before I had gotten into it. And so, yeah, I understand. And that's the other thing. Like I understand the cost of it and I understand the emotional part of it as well. And so I guess, you know, people rather call me than, you know, someone that doesn't understand that. And I think another misconception is that like people might think they don't need equine insurance if they don't have like a high dollar horse. But I mean, for a horse owner, it's it's just a good thing to have regardless of, of your horse's value or what you're doing with them, right? I mean, I would love your insight on that. Honestly, like I insure, I don't insure a whole lot of real high-valued horses. Um, a lot of the times, you know, it's going to be your five to $25,000 horses that I insure. And because it's it's your everyday people that are going to work that are worried about it. You know, they're worried, you know, when, you know, one of the most famous questions I get asked is, well, what should I get? And that's so different for everyone. And I can't tell them what they should get, obviously. And I'm, but I always ask the question, I'm like, okay, so what are you most worried about? Say, if your horse has to have colic surgery today and, you know, the vet clinic wants you to put down a deposit, are you okay with that? Are you okay financially to be able to do that? Um, and other, and if not, then you probably, you know, a little extra colic is probably a good idea. Um, and that's the other thing. There's a lot of different options. There's, you can just get extra colic. You don't have to have like major medical, which major medical is going to treat, uh, have treatment for like lameness and things like that. And so that's my other question. Like, 
okay, so if your horse gets hurt today, are you okay with, you know, doing the diagnostic diagnostic work, the treatments for it? Are you okay with doing that financially? And so those are the questions that I always ask my clients, you know, when they're trying to figure out what they need and then the for- affordability of it as well. That's such great information. And, and thank you for sharing that. Cause yeah, I, insurance in general to me can just be very overwhelming because I didn't know what I need or I don't know what I need. And, and, um, yeah, and I'm sure that other people are in the same boat and, um, yeah, I, I had a horse have colic surgery and I was not insured and yeah, that sucked. (laughs) So I too have learned the hard way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's no fun. And some people will say, well, if my horse needs colic surgery, I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go through with it. And I always, again, I always explain, I'm like, okay, well, just remember if you have an insured animal and there's a 50% chance of it needing colic surgery, they're going to want you to put, put it through it. So it's not your choice at right. that point in time. And that's an, you know, that's a hard thing to explain to people, but I'd ra- me as an agent, I would rather explain things to people, to my clients up front right now versus when it's happening because emotions are, you know, are high at that point. And then they're, you know, they're going to be mad at me and I don't want that. I don't like people mad at me. So I'm very upfront whenever, uh, you know, whenever I'm speaking to my clients. I'm sure your clients appreciate that too. Um, so kind of talking, we've talked a little bit about your, uh, new checks and diamonds horse that is obviously, I would guess probably one of your heart horses, someone, a horse that has been with you for a long time and is now helping your children learn how to show. Can you talk a little bit more about this horse and, and what all you want and, and kind of your story? Sure. So like I said early on, um, it was his full sister that got me started in the cow horse. And unfortunately, she had some health problems and we had to put her to sleep you know, I think she was only six or seven years old. So that was pretty devastating to me. Um, And then when check, we call him checkers, new checks and diamonds. And when checkers was born, he's a Palomino, beautiful. And it was just everything I dreamed of, you know? And so when I, when we started him, I mean, he was so easy to start and so fun. He, however, he was not a very good snaffle bit horse. Um, I had plans on taking him to the snaffle bit maturity, but he just was not, he was not a very good snaffle bit horse. And so I ended up taking, um, in 2008, a mare that my dad ended up buying a chicken time mare. Um, and we won the amateur fraturity on her and checkers kind of, you know, was sidelined at that point. Um, so, but it didn't end. Like I ended up making him a bridal horse and that's where he shines. Um, he, he was so good in the raining. He was so fun huge stopper. You know, he really built my confidence in the reining. Um, and then in the fence work, you know, he, you know, anything that can stop is usually a pretty good fence horse that has a little bit of cow. And he definitely had that. And, you know, we went to the AQHA world show multiple times. Um, we were third, uh, one year. And then in 2012, I do believe, uh, we actually won it. Um, and it was the highlight of my life. Um, you know, it, it was, it was amazing. And it was actually 2011 because I only remember this because my son was born in 2012 and it was right before he was born. Um, 
So, and then after that, um, I did show him like in the spectaculars and, you know, we, in the world show and we were top tens and, you know, he was just always a fun show horse. He loved being in the show pen. He wasn't necessarily the funnest horse to ride like in the practice pen because he was super lazy. You know, he didn't really care about much. Um, but when he went into the show pen, he was awesome. And Riley's learning that now because he's not fun to ride at home. <laughs> but when it comes into the show and he goes in the show pen, you know, his ears perk up and he's a different, he's a totally different horse. Uh, and it's just funny. And so right. Get, having Riley experience that now, like it's so fun to watch. And I know that horse will take care of him, you know, and he does take care of him. I mean, he's shown him now for, I think three years, three years, maybe four years. Um, and I think he's getting big enough now to where he may be able to do a little better. So, um, but yeah, he's, I mean, that horse will never leave. And I actually sold that horse, uh, back in 2013, 14 to, um, the selfs in Texas. And so Ben self who does the cow horse full contact podcast, um, that's, that's, Ben showed that horse for two years um, and that family graciously gave him back to us, I think in 2015. And so it was such a, it's just been a blessing. Um, you know, they wanted him to retire. They knew I had Riley coming up and he was going to want to show. And so they're like, you know, we'd really like for you to have checkers back. And so he came here to retire and he'll never go anywhere. That is such a blessing to have a horse like that for your kiddo and like all the history you have with him and for him to come back to you. That's, that, that is such a cool story. I love that. And those horses that can just, they can just like turn it on and turn it off when they're in the show pen. And when they're not, I always find that fascinating too. They're, they're athletes. It's like, they know that it's time to go. Um, and we've talked past and we've talked present, but what's in the future for you? You're a goal oriented person. So like where, where are your future goals right now? Where are you headed? Well, Rain is getting ready to start kindergarten, and I'm super excited because that means um, she can be in school all day long. And so I've got two-year-olds that I'm riding right now, and I'm I'm really excited because I feel like now I can like put my whole self into my horses and into my showing, and because it's kind of had to been sidelined for the last few years. Not that I haven't been successful and I haven't showed, I have but I feel like I can put all of my heart and energy into that now. And so I'm super excited um, to start doing that and to see what, what happens. <laughs> well, I love that. And we look forward to seeing you continue to uh, enjoy your, your journey and your goals and all of that in the show pen. And I'm sure you have some pretty cool horses coming up because you guys have a really great eye for those young ones and, and finding them. So uh, we look forward to seeing that. But before we let you go, um, do you want to tell people where they can find out more about you, more about TAC? Like, uh, you know, what, where, what are your websites? What are your social handles? Where should people be seeing what you're up to? Sure. So TAC has a Facebook. It's Laughing Cow Horses. You can go there. I have a Facebook page as well. It's Carrie Laughin, um, insurance agent for Northwest Insurance. I also have a website, www coloradoranchinsurance.com that you can go to. Um, I newly just developed an online application so to make it easier for my clients to um, insure a horse. So you can go onto that website and 
do an online application, super easy process. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for coming on and talking with us and sharing stories of your personal life, insurance life, and everything in between. Thank you, ladies, for having me. It's good to talk to you. Once again, we'd like to thank ADM Forge First Patriot Feeds for sponsoring this episode of The Ride. Thank you guys for tuning into The Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. 